everybody. Welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Agostinelli. And as always, the podcast is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.davisco's.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Uh, Davis helps uh, folks find uh, roles in engineering, IT, and manufacturing. And they've just launched a new website, which makes finding your next role uh, pretty much as easy as it, as can be. So uh, check it out. Talk to a Davis recruiter today, www.davisco's.com. Uh, today in the podcast, we had Bill Larson. Uh, Bill is a friend, someone I've known um, for quite some time now, but uh, we get a we get a deep dive into his background. He's currently um, running a contract manufacturing company, president and CEO of a contract manufacturer in the greater Boston area. But we talked about his journey uh, to get there and specifically about finding perspective. He um, really got out of his comfort zone early in life. And he, he, he really credits it for making all the difference in the world. And I think if you're, uh, if you're stuck in a rut or, um, you know, looking for a little inspiration, this is the type of podcast for you. Cause I think it really, it, it makes you want to get outside of your four walls. So, uh, Bill and I had an awesome conversation. Really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and, uh, check it out. First off, cheers. And thank you, thank you for getting lost on the way here. My can you believe? Pleasure. Can you believe that the host gave you the wrong address? I can. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, welcome to Beers and Careers. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, we're fired up to have you here. We've known each other now for hmm, it's got to be at least seven or eight years. Two thousand thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So. Um, Seven or eight, yeah. Let's let's kick it off and let the audience get to know you a little bit, and then we'll uh, we'll get rolling into it. So, Bill Larson is the guest today, for CEO and president of Micron Correct. Solutions. Yeah, Micron Solutions. Solutions, yep. yes. Perfect. Got it wrong before. Um, I was used to the old name. I think that's what it was. It used to be formerly known as Micron Products. Correct. Correct. Um, what is Bill Larson's favorite drink? Coors Light. Uh, so we. Oh, so this was not only like for today. This is. Yeah. This is it. Oh, perfect. So it, I mean, I like other things, but this is my go-to. That's the go-to yeah. move. What, uh, do you have any favorite guilty pleasures, Mr. Bill Larson? Probably that same Coors Light. <laughs> A simple man. I love right. it. Yeah. Favorite curse word? Uh, F-bomb. F-bomb. Yeah. Classic. I think we now have a lot of data on this. Yeah. Uh, unequivocally, it's everyone's favorite curse word. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Fuck rain supreme. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's How so you, easy. It's the best onomatopoeia yeah. going. I might add an er on yeah. the end. <laughs> yeah, but, right. You know. Depending on the mood? Yeah, exactly. Depending on the mood. Um, are you a quote guy? you have any favorite quotes? Are you into that kind of thing? Not really. Not in it? Yeah. It's a, also something I've learned for the podcast, polarizing. Yeah. I'm a quote person, so I kind of thought it was a thing. Yeah. And it turned out just I'm a loser. I'm not opposed to them. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know. I just, I found out that people, some people vibe with them and some people don't. I, it's cool. What was your first job? Like, first ever paying job? I worked on a strawberry farm. No way. Yep, 10 years old. Where? Mr. Grave Strawberry Farm in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Very cool. Yep. Are you originally from Lancaster? I am, yep. 10 years old in the strawberry farm. What was your job there? I did two things. I planted strawberries. Yes. And then it takes like three years for them to turn into pickable strawberry plants. Really? Yep. And so it was a constant rotation of the crops. And then I would weed strawberries and pick strawberries. Wow. Yeah. As a 10-year-old? Oh, you started as a 10-year-old. was my neighbor. 
Okay, I was going to say, how'd you get into that? Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was a uh, older guy, much older guy, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a teacher in the school system, retired, and was a farmer, and uh, you know, was was a good gig. I was going to say that's pretty cool. I also, I guess, I wouldn't have been able to answer if strawberries were. Like where people harvest strawberries from? Yeah, it's just climate-wise, little strawberry farm patch, you know. So lets it rip. Oh, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. And then from there, take me through it. Like, give me the. Like, you, now you're the CEO of a company, yeah. so it's 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 been a journey. But like, how did it how did it evolve from there? Uh, from there, I ran the maintenance team for the Bolton Fair. Okay. So the Bolton Fair at one time was in Bolton. Yes. And basically there was a, God, there must have been 40 acres or more of property. And so we would basically maintain it and then get it ready for the event, the Bolton Fair, which was a weekend every year. And the whole thing, it was like a mini business, and the whole thing was predicated on the success of a weekend. So it was... So 52 weeks a year for one weekend. Uh, I was only summer working. Okay, yeah, yeah. I worked in high school and then in college, but... uh, yeah. Okay. So, but I had a crew. I had a team of like uh, five or six guys that did that whole thing. All teenage kids, and we we just you know cut down trees and mowed fields yeah, and that kind of prep barns and stuff like that. Staging yeah. that Staging, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 How did you become de facto leader? I don't know. It just happened. <laughs> did it? Did it? Yeah. It's like one of those things. I think it was just the king of the knuckleheads. You know. So, <laughs> what an honor. Yeah, right. So it was a high pressure job. We. It, uh, just because you had it was that weekend like it had to be done yeah there was no so you had to work all didn't matter long. if it was yeah, rainy 12 or 12 hours a day it was it was relentless but wow yeah. did you do that through high school and college uh, high school and a little bit of college okay um, but I also um, in high school for a while worked for the auto workers union for the Chrysler auto workers union no way I was a parts picker and packer okay so my dad worked for the Chrysler Corporation for his whole, basically his whole career, and he, he uh, got me plugged into this. And that this was job. where was that out of? Locally? That, it started on Spean Street in mm. Framingham or Natick, Natick, yeah, yeah, and then it moved to uh, Man- Mansfield Bats. Okay, so like year oh, cool. one Spean Street, year two Mansfield. Very cool. I was yeah. just with a bunch of guys at a round table in Fort Lauderdale that grew up in Detroit during the Lee Iacocca days. Wow! So yeah. I just got my. I don't know, backdoor bar education of what was going on back then. But that's yeah. wild. That's yeah, wild. He was quite a quite a guy, a contributor to the automotive industry. Yeah. Wild, wild. So then, after college, take me through the take me through the the laps to so, get to where you are. Um, after college, I I took a job with a company called Netstall Machinery, a Swiss company. Okay. Um, my, the first thing I did is I went to Switzerland and did an engineering apprenticeship. So I, I got yeah, what you graduate with. Business. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but I was always mechanically inclined. Yeah. So uh, I did an engineering apprenticeship and then I was a, a field service engineer. I worked on injection molding machines for the first part of my, my job. Oh, no way. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that about you. Yeah. And then I, I was brought up to sales. The whole idea was if, if I was really good technically, it would make it that much easier to sell. Mm-hmm. And it turned to be true. Absolutely. So it, uh, it, it worked out really well. So I had a very technical sales strategy to the point where my customers 
would have me quote for them. And I would quote like the best package I could find on the planet for the application. Mm. And the machinery we made was really high end, so we, we only targeted things that kind of fit the machines. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, for the right application, we were killing it. So I would pitch for my customers to their customers. Oh. Like Hewlett Packard, yeah, and, you know Schlumberger and companies like that. It was really Were you cool. all over the world at that point in time, or uh, at that time I was uh, responsible for the western half of North America in sales for that company, Netstall. Yeah. Where were you living? San Diego. Okay. Yeah. That's like the classic Massachusetts uh, hosting spot of California, right? San Diego. It's such a weird like when you gather and you go. I was to the just bars. there last week. Were you really? Yeah. yeah. No way. So you were. A recent college grad doing this, so yeah. you were like in your early 20s or mid-20s, went to Switzerland and then living in San Diego. Yep. Had to learn German because I was like in a back village of Switzerland, so... Like learn-learn German learn, or just... Learn. Nobody spoke English. Whoa. I mean, y younger people did, but I, was, I, I had to integrate, you know, right into the... How would how did that go? It went, it went okay. I mean, in the... <laughs> the interesting <laughs> thing about Switzerland is they do not speak like regular high German it's a dialect, oh, it's a dialect. Of German wow so funny story so I arrived in Switzerland I, you know I arrived in Zurich airport I had to take a train out to the village I get off this train and I'm like okay here I am out in the middle of the Alps and this other guy gets off the train too and uh, I'm asking around like hey I'm trying to find this you know my apartment was in Farbley Strasse Farbley Street and so anyways and people are answering me in the numbers, and the numbers are different in Swiss German than they are in High German. So I'm kind of like, what? So I, you know, I at the time, I used cassette tapes to learn how yeah, German. But right? you were learning High German on those cassette yeah, tapes. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no way. So anyways, this other German guy is also doing the engineering course, and he overhears me because he's trying to get to the same place. And so he goes, "Are you trying? To, are you coming for the Netzal? You know, engineering thing? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah." So we're, we're speaking in high German. I said, I don't understand what anybody's saying. <laughs> he goes, I'm from Germany, and I don't either. So we, That's we awesome. figure it out. That's awesome. So, I mean, he had a fighting chance. Uh, yeah. And I worked through it. But wow. Yeah. How long were you there in Switzerland for? Uh, six months. Really? Oh, yeah. that's why you had to learn German. Yeah. yeah you had no choice. Yeah, totally immersed. It wasn't like a week. And it wasn't like I was in Zurich. I was like in... I was like... A village. In the... Uh, in a village, mm. yeah, in, in in like the back of uh, the uh, a valley in the Alps. Wow, yeah, it was crazy. Did you recognize how cool that was at the time? Yeah, yeah. When the opportunity came up, I was like, like hell yeah, yeah. So uh, I would go hiking up in the mountains on the weekends, and and I bought like this crap. I didn't have any money at the yeah. time. I was a broke, you know, kid out of college, and uh, I bought like a. Like a delivery van. It was the only thing I could afford. A little diesel <laughs> Nissan Fanet. Yeah. Couldn't get out of its own way. But I toured all around uh, Europe in that little van. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, it was it was a pretty cool experience. Did it um, help? I'm always interested in this kind of stuff because I know you now with, you know, a family and yeah. running a company and the whirlwind gets bigger. Do you think it helped? Uh, you be successful in that job because you had your horse blinders on to the rest of the world kind of thing? It was just like work and then non-work time and non-work time. You, you, yeah. I'm guessing your family wasn't visiting you that often no, at all? They were not. Yeah. Yeah, so super dedicated to the work. 
The Swiss don't put in power days, though. You know, like, oh, as an American, I, yeah. I would have worked 12 hours. I had nothing else to do. 12 hours a day, but they were, like, 8, 8.1 Like, max. Like, like yeah. shut it down. Yeah, yeah. So they, they were pretty, pretty uh, you know, stringent on mm. their schedule. But that being said, um, you know, I, would, I could study all I wanted out, outside of, mm. you know, standard hours. And I think the one thing or maybe a couple takeaways from that was, A, like, when I first graduated from college, I traveled all around the U.S., like, camping. Okay. So, you know. This is before you took the gig. Before I took the gig. Yeah. So, I got the travel bug, right? Yeah. So, I realized, like, wow, life is a lot bigger than where I grew up, Lancaster, Massachusetts. Yes, yes. I went to college in North Adams, Massachusetts, and I like that. Then I went abroad, saw all these countries and all, you know, had all these experiences and thought, wow. You know, like, there, there's so much more to life than mm. what everybody I know understands. Like, yes. not many people have gone global. And I had by the time I was 23 or whatever it was. Right. So I really took all that in and, and truly appreciate, like, cultures, global mm. dynamics. Because think about it. Like, uh, I was the guy that really couldn't speak the, uh, the language. It wasn't that I was you know, less educated than anybody else or, or, you know, a dope. But the reality is I, I might have been perceived as that. Yes. So, like, when, I, when, when I'm here in the U.S. today and people don't speak English as their primary language, I think, wow, this person could be some rock star from somewhere, but they're here. They're, right. They took the chance. So pay attention. Perspective. You know, like perspective. Yeah. So that's one example. But, you know, what, what I thought was magical about the experience was, I just took in so many different cultures and, and so many different experiences in a really short period of time, but I had nothing else to do, mm. you know, so. The benefit of Europe, though. Yeah, the benefit like of Europe. 70 miles west and you're in a different land. Yeah, so, I mean, I could drive 40 minutes and I was in Liechtenstein, drive mm -hmm. two hours, Austria, four hours, you're in, not even four hours, two hours, you're in Germany, mm. and then Switzerland itself is, you know, there's a huge difference between like the German part of Switzerland, the French, French part yeah. of Switzerland, and the Italian part. Right. So, and the Italians have the best the best perspective on life probably, but, you know, they're super laid back. Of that group of Switzerland. Of that group. So the, I think the Italian culture, you know, ha has a lot figured out. Are you just saying that to me because of my last name? I didn't you just know you were Italian, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> just buttering me up. I, you know what's funny? I knew none of this about you. Yeah. Well, uh, Which is why this bo this podcast yeah. for me has uh, been fun because I think I know these people and then I have them on. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you speak, yeah. uh, what do you call that, low German or dialect well, of German? Well, it's Schweizerdeutsch is Swiss Okay, German. that's the way it's right. Hochdeutsch is the high German. Ah, yeah. Interesting. I um, didn't. You you know about me? I think that I lived in Australia for a couple of years after college, doing mm -hmm. something a little similar. Yeah, no, less no. less work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was shocked at the English. <laughs> it's an English country. Yeah, the like an English speaking country. Never mind the dialect, but like they don't look at the world remotely like we do. Right. And I, it's funny. I came away with the same perspective as well. Yeah. And you hear about all this stuff on the news about the polarization of America. It's almost like, man, if we could just have people walk a mile in someone else's shoes and going there is not enough. Yeah. No, you gotta. Right. You gotta kind of live there and yeah. and being alone. I think is another advantage. Yeah. 
But you're 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 screwed to a degree when you're alone. Do you ever uh, read Matthew McConaughey's book Greenlight? I have not. Well, you would love it. Really? Since you've been to Australia, yeah, you got to read it. All right. And uh, or audio book. Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a reader. He uh, he spent time in Australia, like right after high school, alone, Mm. and uh, you know changed his life. But uh, nonetheless, you, you yeah. Get a when you don't have a support network around, yeah, he had nothing. It right? changes the way you you have to deal with things. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I also feel like uh, I tell people now about my Australian experience. I, I maybe this happened to you, and they kind of look at you like uh, I don't have the money or the time to do kind of some of that stuff. And like, I'm not gonna lie, I grateful my parents you know bought me a plane ticket but that was it that was like now you got to figure this out we're not funding you to have a fun time um but you can do it when if you can travel when you're young like the inspiration for this podcast was about two years ago and i'm meeting all these people right we're in sales we get to meet all these people and you realize you know i'm in the staffing business so all i do is look at people's career paths especially five, seven years ago in my career, no one had a career path. Like, very few people. Everyone takes this nonlinear path. And oh, yeah. all these people that I started to interface with, like yourself, that, you know, everyone's got a different definition of success. But, like, I consider all, all of us kind of successful because we like what we do. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely. half the battle. Yeah. But they didn't plan on it. They didn't, like, have this magic crystal ball. And so the podcast was inspired to be like, how do I document conversations with people that are real? Yeah. And so people aren't freaked out when they don't see like an obvious career path in their yeah. job. But man, I think if you can travel, no, I don't even think that. I think you should force yourself to travel after after college or after high school. Yeah, or just at least get out of your, your, your bubble. Blinders. Yeah, yeah. Your bubble. even if you leave, you know, for us, the Northeast. Yeah, absolutely. We've got offices in Atlanta. It's a different country. And yeah. Minnesota. Go to Montreal. You'll have a different language. You'll have a different culture. Different so true. Perspective. I mean, five-hour drive so true so how long did you do the field service gig for i did that for i'm trying to think so that was uh my whole stint there was like 93 to 97 so i I probably did that for a year pretty good yeah well what happened was um the optical media industry started to boom which was cd and dvd and so i i i did field service for that but I, I want. I had a career path, right? I mm-hmm. didn't get a business degree to go yes. turn in wrenches. Yeah, I loved it, and I worked all the time. So I was constantly traveling. Again, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was never home. I uh, I didn't even have like a, a place. This is while your home base is San Diego, or no? So this is before San Diego okay. in field service. Okay, I you didn't I, even have a home base. I didn't even have. I it, we our home base for the company was in. It was in uh, Devon's Mass. Yes. But I didn't have, like, a, a, an apartment or anything. I, I was just constantly on the road. When mm. I came back, I stayed in a hotel, basically, mm. so, or with a family member. But um, so I worked all the time as a field service guy. And maybe I did it for, I'm trying to think, I think it was 93 to, to 95. Mm-hmm. Then I switched in 95 to sales. It did 95, 96, 97 in sales. Okay. So. Okay. Um, but then... You talk about odd career path. I was being groomed to take over for the president, is is what he said. Mm. But the reality of the situation was, I didn't think he had the longevity in the company for that to ever be true. Mm. You know, so 
uh, because he really he was a great mentor to me. He was a Swiss guy. Yeah. And so man, I can speak Swiss German, Swiss yeah. guy. You know, we we just saw eye to eye, and um, so I got recruited out of that job. And headhunters, uh, man. Yeah, and I got headhunted hard, <laughs> and it was an offer that was so good, I couldn't refuse it. You know, it was way more money. It was, um, and it brought me back here. Ah, so cool. I was in in San Diego, uh, married. Mm. And uh, did you meet your wife out in San Diego? I met my wife here. Okay, cool. she came with All me right. out. To so San she had Diego. roots in Mass. She had roots in Mass. Makes it easier. Yep. And then we started to think about kids, mm-hmm. and and uh, her mom uh, got ill. So like, it, it then that happened after the fact, but it ended up being the right decision. Priorities changed. Yeah. So yeah. priorities changed. So that brought us back to Mass. But you know, like uh, we 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 love San Diego and love to go back there someday, but. Um, you know, family first, right? Yeah, a little different weather situation. Yeah, <laughs> just a hair. Yeah. Um, so you, what's this new job you get recruited out of into? So I, I work for this company called DCA, Doug Carson and Associates, and and this guy, very very smart guy, built a small little business out of Cushing, Oklahoma, which is nowhere, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. um, and he developed the what's called disc description protocol. And so this is going back to optical media. It, it was basically the format by which every disc was made mm-hmm. so that every reader that could read a disc read it. Yeah. So so logic and, uh, you know, synchronization exactly. between yeah, it all. It was yeah, all, it was all basically the architecture of a mm-hmm. disc and how, where the laser went to read and how, you know, how all this binary information was converted. And uh, so the interesting thing was, so I was like, you know, this is tired you know this this technology i mean cd dvd was around for a while we were getting into blu-ray and i was thinking so i had a buddy call me um who worked for technicolor you know like the movie company yes and he said listen one of my friends is at microsoft and he heard that they forgot about copy protection for the xbox and he said um he gave me a name of a guy so I call this guy up, and so here we are, the company that makes everything play in everything. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I bet we can make nothing play in it and nothing you don't want. Right. So we, we, can re- we know everything reverse about the- how to do this. We can reverse engineer it. Wow. To make it so it won't play in anything other than what you want it to play in. So literally, I call this guy from Microsoft. He's like, can you be here tomorrow? So I was like, Yeah. So I've never, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm in sales, right? I'd never been to Microsoft before. It's like I got greeted by gods. Really? I, I walk into this these areas, and they have these uh, what are they? The Rodriguez paintings, like in the office environment. Really? Which are which are like I don't know, hundred fifty thousand dollar paintings. This is, this is their workspace for the Xbox team. Whoa! And 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 it was true. They didn't have a copy protection scheme. So I go back to to. The engineers at at, uh, at DCA and Doug Carson and said, "Hey guys, like, can we do this?" And they're like, "Yeah, I think we could do it." And I said, "Good, because there's huge penalties if we can't. So if we say we can, yeah, we must, yeah." And so, but what was ironic is these folks from Oklahoma were hardworking, smart folks, but they were also very religious. And their religious put pretty serious constraints on their work time mm. because they were involved with all kinds of... Th- their whole social network was set up around 
the church. The community. Of so, church, like, if right. you were on a little league team, you were on the this church little league team, mm. and they played against other church little league. Teams. Oh, okay. So it's not like we have here. Yeah, it's like CYA here. Yeah. 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 So, so it was it was very Whoa. different. So, we we were awarded the contract. It was it was it was very intense, and we had to go to these meetings at these like secret locations. So, like in farmhouses in like Ruckersville, Virginia. They'd be like, yeah, this is the meeting place in Reno, Nevada, and you name it. We had these crazy no places because they were paranoid that somebody was going to sniff this technology because they had like $2 billion on the line. Right. I think they, at that time, when we got engaged, they had $2 billion into it and a billion to go. Did you ever sit there at night and be like, how did I get myself here? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did many times. And at the very end when we had to deliver, we weren't making it. Mm. So I literally, I was in Oklahoma, like, like doing all-nighters, testing circuit boards. Mm. That was part of the technology to deliver on time. And here I am, the guy that owns the company and, you know, his family, they're off doing whatever. Yeah. And, and here I am, the schmuck, measuring <laughs> the boards, making sure they're okay, because I was like, if, if we don't do this, this guy's built a really nice living for himself, and someone's going to take it's it gonna away. It's going to go, yeah. So anyways... Um, it worked out great, but it was uh, heaven and earth type yeah. uh, exposure and uh, results. And so he he made ungodly amounts of money on that. Really? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, for what he was, where his trajectory was headed yeah. compared to where it landed, yes. huge difference. Right. Like Almost factor, walked into a gold mine. Yeah. Yeah. Tens of millions of dollars. Wow. And he might have had another couple million bucks left in that business based on the run rate of that optical we media were on originally yeah. yeah so it was huge yeah so so that was exciting and then wh- where did you go from there were you like screw this yeah, guy so did he hook you up career did he hook so you up he did not hook me up so uh, i mean i did well yeah yeah, yeah. you know especially yeah. for that age but not not you know i, I probably should have been a better negotiator <laughs> <laughs> but uh so so next job job next is uh i i got the job as the president of this company called uh, M2 Engineering. Okay. So, and that's really what I aspire to do is run a business. Yes. You know, so I... When did you make that decision that you wanted to be a leader of a business? I think what happened is I kept working for all these guys that ran businesses and I thought, geez, if we could just do this, that, and the other thing, we could really do something here. Mm. But if you don't have the decision making to do that, um, and and I never had the means to... To basically start buy something scratch, or start yeah. one, so, or I wasn't willing to take the risk to start one from scratch. I guess. Yeah. You know, and uh, at that point I had kids, you yes. know, or I had a kid. So, anyways, um, so I took this job for M2 America. Loved it. Swedish company, not Swiss. Swedish. Yeah, you love Europe. Yeah, I did. I do. <laughs> I do. I, I and I like Scandinavia because mm. my Scandinavian descent. Not mm. that I know any of my Scandinavian relatives, but. Um, Really enjoyed that. Great team mentality. Really good leadership at the business in Sweden, the, mm-hmm. the headquarters. And uh, we had a great time growing the business, like, really rapidly. And uh, what ended up happening was, so it was a great business for a long time, and optical media started to, to decline. And before the decline, you could predict it. And it was based on broadband. Mm. So, like... the you know, all the information was available to say that by 2010, you were going to be able to stream content. 
So why in the world would you buy a CD or DVD? MP3 was already out there, you right. know, the whole Napster yeah. thing and all yeah. that. So like the writing was on the wall. And a lot of people at M2 were saying, oh, well, no one's going to want to do without their discs, you know, the physical media. I'm like, I don't like lugging around these discs. You know, <laughs> like, if I could, have you seen my car? Exactly. If I could have a little thing like this rather oh my, than... Oh, my goodness. You know, right, like, like, why the heck would I lug around a thing of discs? And so I was like, I'm out of here. So, so I left, and I joined... I went out on my own and had a, my own business for a while, kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I had breakfast with Jim Coughlin Sr., mm-hmm. who I love, adore that How man. did you get connected to him? I So my... I, I don't know how yeah, I got connected okay. to him. Yeah. Um, That's an honest answer. Uh, but I think the answer is that my sister-in-law, Trisha... Yes. ...runs the 1540. Yes. Or detect together, right? Which is a, which is a local charity. Well, it used yeah. to be the March of Dimes in Worcester, correct? No, no, it was called the Fifteen Forty Connection. Okay, it, it it has become detect together, and it's all about uh, it's all about disease t- detection. Yes, and it started as cancer awareness, mm-hmm. and 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 it started as can- cancer symptom awareness, and now it's almost like any d- disease awareness because yes, it's really the same thought process: patient advocation, yeah, knowing your yourself, body, yeah. So we're uh, we're big fans. Oh yeah, as am I. Yeah. And it's magic what they do. Yes. So um, and and so I had breakfast with them one morning at uh, what's now the Series Restaurant at the Beachwood Hotel. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and he, it was a great meeting. Um, I met him through the fifteen forty. Okay. So I went to a fifteen forty event just as a yeah. paying patron or yeah, like a gala or something. Yeah, yeah, a gala. And then and then we decided to have breakfast and that's how we met. Wow. But anyways, he's like, You gotta meet my sons. And and so I did and I wasn't looking for a job really. So but I was sitting in the lobby of the of the company and as I was there, one person came up the elevator and was like, Wow. This is like the best kept secret in contract manufacturing. This is seventeen. This is two thousand twelve. But seventeen Bryden. Yeah, Bryden. seventeen Bryden. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that was a cool building. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I was like, wow, like this, and I didn't even I didn't meet any of the boys, either of the boys yet. I didn't tour the facility. I just people popped out of the elevator and said that. I'm like, wow, that's unusual. As, as a guy <laughs> that's interested in that knows the power of selling and all that yeah i was like that's a pretty cool statement for this guy to make that just walked out of this elevator whoever he is right i i meet with chris coffin we just kind of shoot the breeze and uh i go back again you know to meet him again same thing happens like no way. totally different persons like in the lobby they're about to leave they're like this is the best kept secret in contract manufacturing so i was like okay these guys got something here yeah you know like and these people come to find out were from you know pretty major one was a med device firm and the other was in um, semiconductor so i was like jeez maybe i should join forces with these guys and i did as a sales guy as a sales guy not and to I, not I, to demean us as salespeople, but what's funny is um the sales guy the whole time right i mean so, it's just like it's yeah. just like <laughs> yeah because whatever your special there, title there was there was sales guy. plenty of coughlins <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, like, so, um, and, and there 
they're great guys and they uh, do a awesome. great job so awesome. you know th there was no confusing that so um so that being said um it it, it i worked for the first three months for free because i was like i don't know man like the one thing i do know about family businesses is that you know if you're not in the family, family yeah you you don't know what those family dynamics are right and i i have seen family companies where the family dynamics are not dynamics that i want to participate mm -hmm. in and the coughlins are the type of family that you want to participate they got their in. shit together they have their shit together and time. they're really good guys time is about time. Yeah, yeah and not only you know i i say the coughlin brothers but the coughlin brothers are the coughlin brothers chris and jim yep they are john DiCarlo, the yes. cto love yeah. that guy love all these guys chris palermo yeah. cfo the team and the list goes on and yeah, on. It, Alexis Viejos. It's an know, impressive. It's an impressive it's, group. It's people. a hell of a lineup. Also, uh, when you're not working, and you're just hanging out, yeah. a fun group of people to be with. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, yeah. like it's not like they give every employee a shirt that says "Work hard and play harder." Yeah, it's it is. I <laughs> mean, know, it's like, a good. It's a. It's, it's a, why we've been such a fan of being a partner. Yeah. 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 How can you not be right? right. They, they're doing it right. Exactly. You know, and and it isn't. It isn't a formula. It's it's their spirit. Care. You know what I they mean? Care. So, like, when I say spirit, it's like, you know, what your inner voice tells you to do, their inner voice tells them to do very good things. My my takeaway from the Coughlin situation as a, as a business person who yeah. had, like, an arm's length was, like, you can culture trumps really everything. Yeah. Because, like, staffing... For example, the business I'm in has some very not so sexy parts. Yeah. So it doesn't manufacturing. Sure. Co especially contract manufacturing, doesn't matter. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if you get the right culture. People love coming to work. It doesn't matter what you're doing. So that's true. That's, that's true. what I took away from that whole. Yeah. No, I. I my I'm experience with them. Yeah, that's really cool. So you did. So you were selling. From 2012 to, to 2018, the very end of 18 when I left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Three years ago. Very cool. And then you were like, I want to run a company again. Yeah. I, I wanted to the whole time. Yeah. And uh, and, and it, it probably could have happened with those guys. Like, we, we could have started buying companies and yes. you know, running them. But, yes. But at the end of the day, um, you know what it's like is you have this belief system that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And then until you do it, you... you it's dark. It, it's dark. You know, it's tucked somewhere you know, in the back pocket. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to pull it out front and center. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. How has that experience been? It's been good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not perfect. Nothing. Meaning. Is. Nothing is. You know, and Chris Coughlin would tell you the same thing about the Coughlin company. Right. right? Um, so, but, you know, what, what motivates me is all the things we just talked about. It's, mm. you know, culture. It's being positive. It's creating exceptional experiences for your customer. And it's, it's that kind of camaraderie you build between your your crew, your team, mm -hmm. and you know the and the people that you work with. So if you if you get that right, you really enjoy it, and it, it makes work awfully fun. Yeah, right. Yeah. It makes it worth getting up every morning for. Yeah. Do you, do you along the way? Um, are there any particular experiences like from earlier in your career, field service, or that whole optical media beginning of that that have really helped you now? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, there's probably a ton of those. Um, I mean, one of, one of the things you have to, I learned traveling all the time is patience. 
Mm. You know, think about it. If you're no way, you're impatient. Impatient, <laughs> yeah, a little impatient. But I've had to learn patience. Oh um, my god. Yeah. So, uh, and that's and that's uh, you know when you're traveling, think about how many people freak out about flying or yeah. getting you know getting outside of their comfort zone in terms of a bus or you know some somebody else driving something, and and that's like my happy place. You know, mm. like I. I it's stressful, right? Getting to an airport, yeah. getting through security. But once you're yeah. on the plane, hand over the keys, right? right. What else are you going to do? Right. So, but that's also, I think, a lesson in life and business is, you know, you, you have to say with certain things, you know, like it's, out, it's outside of your control. Right. And uh, you should be happy about that. Give up that control. Because mm. once you give up the control, you, you kind of get it. Yes. You get it back, right? It's, so you got to give it up to get it. But a... Uh, as obviously someone who's uh, younger in their uh, leadership, man, is that a hard thing to do? Mm. I think because you really you have a lot of faith in the way you did it got you to where you are, yep. and so you think that that's the only way to skin the cat. Well, that's one thing I've learned it's, along the way too. Is you know we've had some like interns that have done some things, and I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, like. Holy smokes. Like, right. This, this is so much faster, so much more creative. <laughs> right. You know, like, this is better. This way is way, better. Way, yeah, better. way, way better. Way better. Right? And you're 22. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you are headed somewhere. So right. there's that. You know, that, 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 you know, I've learned along the way. Um, I'm trying to think if there's... It's hard to put it into practice, though. Yeah. It's one thing to say you're going to do it and yeah. delegate and give autonomy to other yeah. people, but it's another thing to actually execute on it. I personally struggled with that for a while, especially about four or five years ago in particular. Because you get used to, I mean, I grew up in an Italian family. It yeah. was pretty command and control. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you're just used to that way of living. Yeah. It's not how you, uh, it's funny, I was just talking to a manager today about it internally and it was like, it's it's good if you, it's a, it's a strategy that works if you want to win the quarter. Right, but right. I'm trying to play for a few years here. Yeah, yeah. Right, like Brady. it's a lo- it's a long. Want to be the goat? It's a long yeah. game, right? Yeah. So I think it's it's funny you mentioned the Coffin family, and that experience so much because uh, I got to go to a panel about family business. I don't know. Let's call it four or five years ago, and uh, Jim Senior said he was like talking about raising the boys and making the decisions, and he said, you know, I learned at one point you have to give people enough rope. So that they'll break their leg, but not their neck. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I was like, damn. Yeah. Like, you know, just some statements yeah. always stay with you. And that's always been one when I'm, like, in a challenging situation. But like, dude, maybe I just got chill. Like, is this person going to get in trouble here or not? That was that was me with Ryan Mannion. Yes. You know, so, like, I, yes. I love that kid. He's, dude, and you gave him a vacuum and he flourished. Yeah, exactly. Right. So Not a vacuum. Yeah. You gave him space is what yeah. I mean. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, I gave him I gave him that rope. Mm. And there was times, like, oh, he's going to break that leg. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But anyways, yeah. it's going to cost me some chips. But, uh, <laughs> but the, the flip side of that is when he hit his inflection point. Yes. Because there was a time, right? And, and it happens, like, when you're, when you're trying something new. You know, he was new at his, at his job. He was straight out of college. Yes. We hadn't been doing that at Coughlin. We had been kind of hiring people that were already baked into a role. Yes. You know, so it's like, yes. you know, well, we can't afford to do that right. enterprise-wide. So right. we took a chance. And in the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, boy, we'll see. And after about six months, it was like on the fence. Like, mm. yeah, I don't know if this strategy is going to work out. And then he hit that inflection point And, you know, probably 
about a year into his career, and and then he became unstoppable. It's it's like one, it's another example of patience, right? You can't just test things over yeah. a quarter, too. You got to give it time. And as a leader, right? There's nothing more rewarding than that. Uh, agreed. You know, because I didn't do it my way. Agreed. Yeah, he did it his way. Mm-hmm. But you have you have to be Jim Coughlin. You and do stand back and watch, and be like, oh, okay, you know, like you have to be- you have to be a person that believes in other people. So like it starts with that though. Like this is not anything for everybody. It, you first have to believe that that person that you're trusting in yes. has the juice, and you have to have the intestinal fortitude yeah. to wait it out. Exactly, but. You shouldn't do that for somebody that you're like I don't know, right? Because right. chances are your gut's right that that, that that's not going to work out mm-hmm. because it's not going to work out for you. Yes, going to work out for them or anybody else who tries this experiment. Bob always says, Bob Davis, our CEO, always says to me, uh, they got to want it more than you do, and yeah. I think you just articulated that to like the nth degree. Yeah, like you unpack. Yeah, that I'll paper. take a I'll take a, a a B player that's got the hunger and the grit. Mm-hmm. over an a-, a player any and, day of the week and I always will choose uh, I want somebody who's got the EQ mm, that's on over. parity with their IQ yes because I, I've also dealt with people with tremendous IQs and their e- EQs are punky and they're not humble they're, they're not humble and and they eventually figure it out but it costs but you a pay, lot but of people you pay for a lot it. of chips <laughs> you yeah, pay for it I love how you say a lot of chips yeah. because there is I've learned more recently, uh, and I guess that's never been an issue, but like, w- are you willing to expend political collateral? Right. So I love how you call it chips. Yeah. Um, I See, I told you we could talk forever, dude. Yeah, we gotta uh, wrap this up. Yeah, we gotta, but before we do, I gotta tell you a quick Ryan Mannion thing that I'm gonna end it with, because it's unbelievable. Okay. But um, <laughs> He's in San Diego right now. He is. It? Yes, he is. Yeah. I still, I still uh, stay in touch with him vicariously through Instagram, and he's been, he came on the pod. Yeah. He's been on the podcast. Um, if you were, I know you've got kids, obviously, but and you mentored a lot of people and still do in your career. Mm-hmm. What, like, what advice do you think you give? I think we hit travel as you know, travel, get out of your get out of your comfort zone, and, and to give yourself perspective. I think yep. the goal is to get perspective, right, yeah. in that situation. Any other big nuggets of advice you might give a recent college grad or just someone looking to do more that might be stuck in where they're at. Well, here we are talking about how we invest in, you know, young people. Yes. You know, the, the, you I'm should... I'm 35, look, dude. I'm not that old. Yeah, well, so <laughs> just, I'm just saying you invest in young people here, Yes, right? all the yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you have to. So, yeah. I invest in all... I mean, everyone, really. Yeah, yeah. so, but let's... Regardless of age, inexperience. Yeah. You yes. invest in yes. some inexperienced people. But the inexperienced person should look across the table and say, is, is this somebody who believes in what we're talking about here Mm. because you can work for somebody who's an ogre and you can be a rock star and you're going to be either stifled or discouraged or or uh you know you're just not going to rise to your best yes so you you have to choose your leader as well as your leader has to choose you yes and and that's hard because you don't know much when you're inexperienced true so true but you got to use that eq got to use that gut Mm -hmm. so that's my advice if you if you trust the person that's telling you that they're going to take you on this fantastic journey, go on the journey. It's a it's a good one. Take the travel. Do you find that as a person who leads leaders, it's easier for you to see it now than it was when they worked for you? So what I mean by that is like, 
uh, there's certain people in the organization now that yeah. I know they're going to get there. Yeah. They, they were going to be successful whether they were here or anywhere. Yeah. And I find that almost easier to spot at an arm's length than I did in the trenches with the person because yeah. I almost knew too much. Yeah. You I find think that? Uh, for me, it's a little bit of both. Okay. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, there's some people I see at arm's length and go, eh, it's okay. But sometimes you have to, when you verify, it doesn't always pan out. Yes. You know, because yeah. look at, look at, at um, digress, pri- pri- uh, athletics. Yes. Professional athletes. There's some professional athletes that aren't that great athletes, but they tell a hell of a story. Mm-hmm. And guess who gets second round draft tick, pick? And mm-hmm. it's, it's the person that has that whole package. It isn't always the best athlete. Yes. So, like, you've got to pay attention to that, too. There's some really good business athletes that don't have all the... Don't do one thing incredibly well. Right. And, and they may not also have, be able to tell that story. Right. But you get, you, that, and that's what's tough. And that, at arm's length, you can tell that, but you have to, you have to poke a little to find out you know, yes. who, who's, who's really got the juice and who seemingly has mm-hmm. it. You know? Validate and yeah. verify. Yeah. Well, Bill, thank you very much, man, for coming on. My pleasure. Um, Cheers. And my quick Ryan Mannion story was, he was an early podcast guest, probably like, He's got to be in the first 10, right? And uh, came on. And I'm like, you know that canned question section we did in the beginning? Yeah. Like, I'm still, like, staring at my notes. Like, I, like I've definitely gotten better at this as we've gone on. And I was still such a rookie then. Yeah. And I'm, I, I go, what's your favorite? You were going through What's your favorite guilty pleasure? And, like, you said beer, benign. And most people are like, you know, I love a Ben and Jerry's pint of ice cream by myself. Mannion looks across the table at me and goes, threesomes. It's like you I remember like the hair in the back of my head sitting up being like, you fucking rule. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 no one else has answered a question like that. So still to this day, the greatest answer to a podcast question. And it's carved in stone now. Oh, 100. Yeah. No, he's already, this is the second time yeah. it's been repeated. So yeah. I figured I'd throw it out in the ether, man. And yeah. You're the man. And yeah. uh, But Bill, thanks again for coming on. And, uh, and I wish you only the best in the future, my man. Right back at you.